about that time, so uh, I know everyone's been looking forward to it. Let's go ahead and warmly welcome our Pastor Wilson as he delivers the word of the Lord for us today. Good morning, family. Grace and joy to you. Let's pray. Our Father and our God, we thank you this morning for this divine privilege to gather again under the authority of your word. Pray that you would meet us in this hour. Spirit of the living God, illuminate our hearts, illuminate our minds, that we may be able to hear and to see what your spirit has to say to the church. Give me preaching power and preaching permission that preaching may be done. And in the end thereof, we'll be mindful to give you all the glory, all the honor, and all the praise. In Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people said amen, amen. and amen. Well, I'm excited to go back to Luke chapter six to pick up where we left off in our exegetical walk through this book as a family so the scripture will be on the screen for you Luke chapter 6 verse 30 today verse 30 through 36 hear the word of the Lord give to everyone who asks of you and from him who takes away your goods do not ask them back. And just as you want men to do to you, you also do to them likewise. But if you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? For even sinners love those who love them. And if you do good to those who do good to you, what credit is that for you? For even sinners do the same. And if you lend to those from whom you hope to receive back, what credit is that to you? For even sinners lend to sinners to receive as much back. But love your enemies. Do good and lend, hoping for nothing in return. And your reward will be great. And you will be the sons of the Most High, for he is kind to the unthankful and the evil. Therefore, be merciful, just as your Father also is merciful. And all God's people said, today I want to talk about a call to generosity. A call to generosity. My beloved family, the last time we were together walking through Luke chapter 6, we discovered that the Lord was challenging those faithful followers on the mountainside in Galilee to be different from the rest of the world. He called them to endure suffering he called them to be powerful by serving their enemies instead of fighting their enemies. He then commanded them to be generous with robbers. And we learned from that series that our power as believers 
comes from exercising nonviolent resistance in a hostile world. We learned that living in this way is what we call the kingdom way. It's the kingdom way, family, to resist evil. It's the kingdom way to turn the other cheek. It's the kingdom way to love your enemies. It's the kingdom way to do good to those who've done wrong to you. I feel like preaching today. Can somebody help me say amen this morning? Jesus was charging the disciples with a new way to live in a wicked world, a world where they were going to be mistreated because they aligned themselves with him. And today, RCC, we come again to learn how to live as kingdom people in a fallen world. Jesus yet has something to say about how you live. And there are three things today I'd like to lay out before us in this buffet. Number one, let's talk about the disciples' charge. Number two, the disciples' comparison. And I'll land the plane looking at the disciples' compassion. Let me say that again for the people in the back. The disciples' charge, the disciples' comparisons, and the disciples' compassion. Are you ready? If you're ready, say, let's go, Reverend. Okay, verse 30, the Bible says, give to everyone who asks of you. And from him who takes away your goods, do not ask them back. And just as you want men to do to you, you also do to them. Beloved, when we come to this first pericope of scripture, we see that Jesus is charging the disciples to be generous. This is going to hurt the stingy people this morning. Okay, so lean in real good. He first suggests for them to give away the things that somebody is trying to rob you of. And then he suggests that when you give them or when they try to rob you, give you more, give them more than they even ask for. Jesus wants their enemies to know that they have no power over their disciples. He wants the disciples to know that things are just things. Money is just money. Jewelry is just jewelry. Cars are just cars. Stuff is just stuff. They were not to let any of these worldly possessions empower them in such a way that they were hostage to those things. In other words, they are to be generous in hostile situations. This was kingdom living. It was what I call power under control. It was loving their enemies. It was the call to live into nonviolent resistance. Second of all, we notice in this text that he says it again. Give to everyone who acts of you. And for the one who takes away your goods, don't ask for it back. He's saying if they take your stuff, don't just give it away hoping to get it back. But give it away and don't ask for it back. Don't look to get it back. Don't expect to get it back. Now, why would Jesus ask this or say this? Because if we look to get it back, 
It's the same as allowing your stuff to have control over you. Be willing to surrender our things. Surrender our control over things. Surrender our wants for our possessions. Jesus is saying this, and I think this is good for North American Christians. I'm off my notes now because we tend to be possessed by our stuff. The stuff God gives us tends to then own us. That's not in my notes, but I felt like I need to say that. He's saying this to us. Don't let your enemies or your possessions possess control over you in this manner. Thirdly, he says, and just as you want men to do to you, you do to them also. Listen to this. Here, the lesson is on what I call kingdom retribution and remembering the law of the Lord. He says, remember that whatever comes around goes around. Here he's saying, if you want men to be kind to you, Angelus, to be generous to you, Angelus, to be nice to you, Angelus, to offer to you, Angelus, then you be that way to them. Don't get even with them because they got even with you. Don't be hostile to them because they'll be hostile to you. Don't be evil towards them. Because they will be evil toward you. This lesson for the, king, for the disciples is a kingdom reminder. That behavior and attitudes matter in a fallen world. Can I say that again? For the young people, can I say that again? Your behavior and your attitude matters as a disciple of Jesus Christ. If you're generous to others... Somebody's going to be generous to you. If you're kind to others, somebody will be kind to you. Come on, help me say amen, mothers, right around through there. If you're a concern for others, somebody will be concerned for you. If you're compassionate for others, somebody will be compassionate toward you. If you are Christ-like to others, somebody will be Christ-like to you. Jesus was giving the secret to how we are to live in this fallen world. Story is told by a great preacher, Pastor Freddie Haynes, St. Freddie Haynes out of Dallas, Texas. He tells the story of a man named Muhammad Yunus, who won the Nobel Peace Prize in 2006. Professor Yunus was convinced that the way to bring world peace was by eradicating poverty. So what he did is he made small mini loans to people who were below the poverty line. And in giving these loans, it was his hope that they would be able to raise themselves to a new level of living. And his work was so important that uh, the Geneva Convention thought it was important to give him the Nobel Peace Prize. Well, Freddie Haynes tells that story because he was on an elevator in Africa trying to get to his room at the top of the hotel. The only problem was there was only one elevator that was working, and it was the service elevator. When he got on the service elevator, he said it was then that Muhammad Yunus's thought and framework came back to his mind. Ah, the way to get to the top is through the service elevator. In other words, yes, 
If you want to get to the top in this life, you've got to serve your way there. Serving others will always take you places that you never imagined you would go. See, you don't have to scheme. You don't have to connive. You don't have to be as wild and crazy as the world. You don't have to stab anybody in the back. The way to reach the top is through the service elevator. Serving others will always make you prosper. I'm hunting for an amen this morning. Serving others will always take you up in life. Serving others will lift others. And it will also help you too to be lifted. Did you catch it, beloved? Jesus is describing service in this passage. That's why I said that. He's deciding or or, or describing for you and I how to treat people the way you and I want to be treated. Help others by serving others. Lift somebody who can't lift themselves. And then the kingdom way will be the way we ought to be living in. Serve others, submit to others, and be generous to others. And somebody will do the same to you. We've looked at the disciples' charge. Let me show you now the disciples' comparison. The Bible says in verse 32, and this portion of the scripture really arrested me this week. Angelus, if you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? For even sinners love those who love them. And Angelus, if you do good to those who do good to you, what credit is that for you? For even sinners do the same. Angelus, if you lend to those from whom you hope to receive back, what credit is that for you? For even sinners lend to sinners to receive as much back. This pericope blew my mind. Jesus here is now letting the disciples see the comparison between them who they are and who the world is. When you look at this, he gives them questions that are rhetorical. And they're they're rhetorical because they are asked to induce an action out of the hearers. He also asks these questions because he wants them to make a comparison between themselves and others who are not following the Messiah. He suggests three things. He says, if we love people because they are believers, then we're no different than the non-believers. He says, if we do good to people because they're believers, we're no different from the non-believers. He suggests that if we give to others and hope to get back, then we're no different from non-believers. In other words, there must be a difference. Our challenge is to love, to do good, and to lend to those who are not believers. Let me say it this way. Love those and do good to those. Lend to those who don't believe like you who don't live like you, who don't worship like you, who don't look like you. They're not from your culture. They're not from your side of the tracks. They are not like you. They don't serve like you. They don't look like you. And they have no intention on paying you back, giving you back, or even thanking you for what you've done. That's the challenge. And that's the comparison that Christ is giving 
to the disciples. The key phrase in that pericope of scripture is for even sinners do the same. Here it is. If sinners do this, then your behavior and their behavior is the same. And there's no difference between us. If sinners do this and you do this, how is the kingdom advanced? If sinners do this and you do this, then your motive is not the kingdom motive. It's a selfish motive. It's a selfish motive that does not advance God's agenda in the earth. Jesus is after God's agenda in the earth. And God's agenda is the kingdom agenda. Let me argue my case. The kingdom way is to serve without notice. The kingdom way is to serve without caring about recognition. Oh God, help me preach it all. The kingdom way is to serve without caring about reimbursement. The kingdom way is to serve those that are not on the inside of the kingdom and to serve those who don't know Christ or know about Christianity. The kingdom way is to serve without getting something in return. The kingdom way, beloved, is to serve without strings attached. And I believe that Jesus in this portion of our text is simply calling for us to be different from the world when we show love. He's calling us to do good and to lend to others who don't know him or don't have a desire for him. He's calling us, here it is, this is very practical, but to be different from the Red Cross, to be different from Walmart, to be different from the United Nations, to be different from Amazon, to be different from the Habitat for Humanity and the other folks that love to meet humanitarian needs on earth. That's not bad. They just don't do it for the kingdom agenda. They do it from a corporate call or responsibility to do whatever, but they don't do it to advance the gospel. Our call is different. It's to lift up the name of Christ, and that separates us from a secular agenda in the world. Ours is a kingdom agenda. Guess why he wants us to do it? Out of obedience. I was saying to a group of pastors on this week, I've zeroed down one thing I think God is asking for us. One thing, they said one thing, yeah, obedience in every area of life. That's what he wants, obedience. We must do this out of obedience, out of the kingdom agenda, out of the advancement of the gospel, out of a pure love to do good and to serve others in the name of Christ. And because of his name only, we do it in his name. We do it in the name of Jesus, because of the name of Jesus, and to further the name of Jesus. Can I get an amen right there? That was a weak amen. Can I get an amen right there? Listen, this makes us different from the world, family. This makes us different. The sinner and the one who does good for another reason does not do it for the gospel. I'm a gospel man. 
And everything I do, I want to do it for furthering the gospel. I feel like I'm in the fourth quarter of life. Josh, and the clock is ticking. I ain't got time to play for nobody else. Everybody over 50 said amen. <laughs> Here it is. Jesus is literally calling for us to look different, to be different, to serve different, to walk different, to talk different, because we are different. Our narrative ought not be the same as the unbelieving world. We've looked at the disciples' charge. Brother Sherman, we've looked at the disciples' comparison. Let me land the plane now and show you the disciples' compassion. If you're not mad at me, say amen. amen. If you're mad, say I'll pray for you, brother. <laughs> Verse 35. But love your enemies. There it is. There it is. Do good. Oh, that's good Bible right there. And lend hoping for nothing in return. And then your reward, brother David, will be great. And look at this. Here's the key. And you will be sons and daughters of the Most High. For he is kind. And kind to the unthankful and the evil. So therefore, you be merciful just as your father also is merciful. This text is loaded. This, this, this takes away your excuse for wanting to carry that vendetta. This takes it away. You can't be long, no longer mad at her, mad at him. You have no excuse for misbehaving at the family reunion. Some of you don't want to smile or look at me. I got you. I'm coming down your road this morning. When you look at this final portion of the scripture, you hear the Lord compelling the disciples to be believers of compassion. He's calling them to love their enemies and do good to people who offend them. He is also calling them to lend or give without looking for something in return. And then he says, there will be a reward in return. And here it is. Your reward will be great. And their reward is that they will start to look like the Father. Come on, stay with me right here. Guess what your reward will be? You'll start to look like the Holy Father. You'll start to resemble the Father. You'll start to transform yourself like the Father. You'll begin to imitate Him as you walk for Him in a fallen world. That's your reward. Jesus goes on to say what the two attributes of the Father are in this passage. He says, number one, he is kind to those who are unthankful and evil. Circle that in your Bible. Number two, he is merciful to those who are unthankful and evil. Let me say it like this. By the disciples being compassionate to their enemies and by them serving their enemies and by them being generous to their enemies, they will be showing the world, here it is, what the father looks like. When they act like him, they look like him. When they do what he does, then they reveal to the world what the father looks like. 
If he is kind to those who are unmerciful, we should be also. If he shows mercy to the sinner, we should show mercy to the sinner. If he's generous in his benevolence, we too should be generous in ours. I'm closing, beloved. But Jesus reveals the Father's compassion for those who are his enemies. The Father's compassion, guess what it did? Caused him to send his only begotten son to a world that was hostile toward him. A world that was his enemy. A world that robbed from him. A world that despitefully used him. A world that cursed and rejected him. He was and is merciful to the unthankful and the evil. I wrote myself some notes here. Dr. Cho, I'd like to read them for the congregation. Can you give me the amen? He gives men rain. And he don't appreciate it. He, thank you, brother. He gives him life. And he wastes it. He gives him oxygen. And he doesn't appreciate it. He gives him health. And he wastes it. The evil, am I right? And the unrighteous. They get the same from God. He gives them hope. And they throw it away. He gives them salvation. And they refuse it. But because of his mercy and his kindness, man keeps getting chance after chance after chance after chance. He's just that kind of father. And Jesus is saying that the father is this kind of person. And this is what you will start to look like when you do the things he's telling us to do. I like about this passage and I'm coming down now. When Jesus came to earth, he embodied the Father's person. You do know the Bible says he's the visible image of the invisible God. So everything you saw in Christ, you see in the Father. And everything you see in Christ, he's giving you and I the Holy Spirit to emulate him in the earth. So come look with me at his person. Born in an obscure village to a little peasant girl. Grew up in an obscure place. Worked his life as a carpenter in a little home business. And up until he was 30, nobody knew his name or his reputation. He was different from the world. And then for three years, he was an itinerant preacher. Never set foot in a big city. Never traveled 200 miles from the place he was born. Never wrote a book. Never ran for public office. He did none of these things that usually accompany greatness. He was different from the world. And while he was still a young man, the tide of public opinion turned on him. His friends deserted him. He was turned over to his enemies and went through the mockery of an unjust trial. He suffered injustice. He knows what that's like. And he was different from the world. He was nailed to a cross, put between two thieves. And while he was dying, his 
executioners gambled for the only possession he had left, which was his tunic. And when he was dead, they took his body down, put it in a grave. And because he was different, hallelujah, because he was doing what the Father called him to do, hallelujah, God the Father raised him back to life. And now he sits at the right-hand throne of God making intercession for us, calling you and I to be different, to be set apart from the world, to live the kingdom agenda so that the world might get to know him. That's the essence of why you're here. God wants one thing from you. Somebody say one thing. Your obedience in every area of your life. This, beloved, is the call to the kingdom agenda. And this is the call for you and I to be generous in everything in every area of our walk. Will you bow with me for a word of prayer? Holy Father, what a challenge. What a passage. And what a reminder today that you want us to be merciful and to be kind to the unthankful and even the evil. And you want us to do this that the world may get to know you. So my prayer today is that as a body of Christ, the family of God, when we leave here today and we go out into this world, May we look like Jesus. May we go out and be the church. As we pray this week for our picnic on next week, help us to remind ourselves to invite somebody who doesn't know you, that we may share the love of Christ in our celebration and proclaim the word of God to them that they might get to know you. In our families, in our homes, with our siblings, May our behaviors and our attitudes change. May we show love to those who perhaps are hard to love. Help us and give us the power, the power to do it. You've given us the power when you've come to live inside of us. Now give us more dunamis that we may have the ability to carry it out. Thank you, Lord, for this word of reminder, remembrance. and Breathe on us now is our prayer. Continue to do the good work you're doing in and through this beautiful church. We love you, Lord, and we thank you. In Jesus' name we pray.